Well, if you would, uh, would you stand and open a Bible to Luke chapter 1? And pray, pray with me, please. Great God, you are the one that causes the rain and the snow to come down from heaven. And they do not return uh, there, but water the earth and cause it to bring forth uh, and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And so now may your word, O Lord, that goes out from your mouth, not return to you empty, but accomplish all that you purpose and succeed in the thing for which you have sent it. Make it so, great God. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Chapter 1, beginning in verse 39. In those days, Mary rose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth had heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arms. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Please take your seats. Christmas is a time of memories. Though my family wasn't religious, the Christmas season was a time of anticipation for me as a child. I vividly uh, remember the excitement that grew over uh, the weeks. As the decorations were brought out of the attic, as we shopped uh, for a live uh, tree, as uh, the lights and the ornaments went up, stockings were hung uh, on the mantle. Uh, outdoors, my dad festooned not only the house, but the shrubs and the trees uh, with lights. And in the, his latter uh, years, uh, he made very large wooden uh, Christian symbols and covered those in lights as well and hung them uh, off the, the second-story deck. 
And he would drive my brother and I all over Richmond and then Baltimore looking for the very best displays of lights. And we did that ourselves when our children uh, were small. And there were special foods, of course, uh, cookies of all sorts, both mincemeat and pumpkin uh, pies, uh, peanut butter, fudge, and of course, ambrosia which sounds a little more special than it really was. It was fruit cocktail uh, in a frozen custard. When school uh, let out, we counted down the days. And by Christmas Eve, I was so keyed up, I couldn't sleep. I would watch the hands of the clock move past 10 and even approach midnight till I fell asleep. Being the oldest, I shot out of bed. Uh, when I awoke and drug my parents down uh, the stairs. Um, as soon as they gave permission, why, uh, wrapping paper was torn and flew everywhere, and I was thrilled if there was a toy, and not so much by the clothing. Christmas speaks of joy. Uh, we're summoned to be joyful by the music, the colors, the parties, and the giving of gifts to those we love with the hope that they're delighted. And we know we should be uh, joyful, even if we're not. Many people feel great pressure. I suppose it especially uh, falls on uh, women to create a uh, postcard-perfect Christmas. And... uh, And yet we have so many different emotions that are just all stirred up this time of year. We have hope mixed with anxiety as we anticipate gathering with families. There's pain uh, for many because of the brokenness that's there. There are circumstances that as we finish the year or begin the next one, leave us wondering about our immediate futures. Our text picks up where we've left off with the stories of Mary and Elizabeth. They are both unexpectedly pregnant. And Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. Yes, Mary visits Elizabeth. She rose uh, with haste and into the hill country uh, to see her cousin. Now, it's extraordinary. It doesn't seem extraordinary to us for a single woman to travel 70 or 80 uh, miles, which would have taken three or four days. But in that day, single women didn't travel unaccompanied. Mary had taken Gabriel's hint uh, that uh, her elderly relative was expecting. And she goes to the one person she thinks can understand what she's going through. Full of faith, Mary has willingly embraced God's plan for her life. But even so, it probably didn't take very long for her to realize that her future was threatened. She didn't know uh, how it was that Joseph or his family or her community would respond to her being pregnant. You see, in those days... Uh, A single woman conceiving a child outside of marriage was uncommon and was viewed as a serious moral failing. 
It would be months uh, from this moment that we've read in this text before the angel would encounter uh, Joseph. And it's not hard to uh, imagine that all of this uh, uh, weighed on her. Uh, Mary doesn't know how all this is going to turn out. And so she visits Elizabeth, hoping to be understood. And Luke tells us as she enters the house, uh, she greets Elizabeth. Now, social custom in that day was that the younger woman should show deference to the uh, older uh, and honor her. But quickly, things were turned upside down. Twice, Luke tells us Mary greets Elizabeth, but he doesn't tell us what she says, but he does tell us what Elizabeth says. Her baby John leaps for joy in her womb. He's filled with joy. Why? Well, John's in the presence of Jesus, the person who is the very center of his own life's uh, purpose. And Elizabeth's reply is prophetic. Notice her reply. She's moved by the Holy uh, Spirit to say that no woman is as privileged as Mary and that she, uh, Elizabeth, knows that Mary's child is her Lord. Elizabeth uh, stands before Mary's child as a slave unworthy to receive such a distinguished person in her home. And their social standing has just been reversed. Instead of Elizabeth uh, being the person who should receive honor, Elizabeth honors Mary. God has drawn these women uh, into his plans for the world. And he's showing an understanding of their needs by bringing these women together. Elizabeth's inspired greeting would have brought immediate comfort to Mary. Relief that she'd done not only the right thing in coming, but that she doesn't have to wonder whether Elizabeth would believe her story of her encounter with the angel. God's fresh activity has drawn these two women together in a special bond in their pregnancies. God understands your life as well. He understands the disappointments and the unfulfilled uh, desires and dreams that you have. We saw that with uh, Zechariah. And we see God's tenderness in providing support uh, for Mary in the uncertainty and the anxieties in her life. The giving of Jesus to Mary reveals his understanding of our deepest needs. Jesus is the child God promised to our first parents after they rebelled in the garden and lost paradise. A child uh, promised when a tragic choice was made by Adam and Eve uh, to pursue life apart from God. Our first parents distrusted God and chose to make a life for themselves. To chose to be their own uh, masters, uh, to control their own destinies, they thought. But instead, they opened up a Pandora's box of evil. But God promised in his great mercy uh, to end uh, the evil that had entered the world. And Elizabeth recognizes that Mary is carrying the child that is the answer to that promise. God is fulfilling his ancient promise. And she or John are rejoicing in this. Now let me add something uh, because of, well, kind of a misunderstanding that's developed in Christendom through the years. 
Elizabeth is not worshiping Mary. Uh, Mary, Mary's child, the Christ child, is their Lord. She is beautifying Mary because Mary's response to God is to believe. He's trusting God. Then Mary sings. She sings in response to Elizabeth's uh, greeting. She sings of God's great reversal. God is acting in his mercy, and in his mercy, he's turning everything upside down. He's turning upside down the expectations of men. God reverses all human ideas of greatness and significance. Now, in the ancient world, and, and really in most of the world today, it's expected that the rich will be well-fed and the poor go hungry. But Mary sings of a God who turns the world upside down. No longer will the arrogant or the powerful or the rich have the last word. The powerful and influential will be toppled. The rich he will send away empty-handed. The proud, they're not those who, well, take pleasure and delight in the accomplishments of their children. No, the proud are those who take no thought of God and who crush the poor. They will lose all their power and privilege. The poor and the hungry will realize their spiritual need and yearn to be filled. But the rich who are self-satisfied will be left without. The arrogant are humbled, humiliated by God as their deepest thoughts of self-glory are cast down. Mary sings in the past tense. It's so significant to see that. She sings in the past uh, tense. The great reversal has already begun. She sings because this reversal is seen in her own life as the mother of Jesus, the Savior of the world. God passed over the powerful and the influential in Herod's court, over the wealthy families in Jerusalem. He passed over the mighty in Rome and chose instead a poor woman of faith who'd feared him. And at the center of this reversal is Mary's child, God in human flesh, who comes as a weak and helpless infant. He comes disguised, incognito, born to poor working class parents on the fringe of Israel in a backwater village. And almost no one recognized who he was, not just at his birth, but throughout his entire life. God left his coming with a sufficient ambiguity that it would take faith to recognize him. All of Jesus' life is marked by this reversal. The rich and powerful, the proud and influential resist Jesus and put him to death. The poor and the marginalized would receive him and his ministry with gladness. Even in his death, God turns the tables on them. When they think they've rid the earth of Jesus, God raises him from the dead. Mary sings of God's mighty deeds, of God's strong arm. He's the mighty warrior who flings the proud uh, to the earth and delivers us from their vaunting and flaunting. And that's that great warrior, he conquers evil and death and will put the world aright. 
This reversal continues in our day. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. It's not just all in the past. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And this means like Elizabeth and Mary, we have cause to rejoice as well. But if we're honest, and, and what is our gathering church if it's not to be honest? I mean, most of us, uh, our joy for most of us is rooted in objects that can't produce it. The deepest and truest parts of us, our hearts, uh, delight uh, in the sources of joy that we pursue. But those sources uh, uh, often are the very thing that leave us joyless. We're drawn to find our joy in our circumstances, aren't we? If things are going uh, well, if we think our future's uh, bright, we seek our joy in things and situations and people that are really mostly beyond our uh, control. This is true in the big things, whether it's our work, the direction of our lives, the economy, the future of our country, or the more ordinary uh, things, our health, our families, uh, our children. Our hearts are divided, you see, with expectancy and desire for the joy of Advent as we uh, move through these weeks. And they're divided between that and the circumstances that we want, that we think will be the source of our happiness. Our hearts are such that we must turn uh, to the great mercy of God, uh, this great reversal. And if they're divided, you see, it doesn't move us. It's lost its grip on us. Only those who sense their spiritual poverty, their deep need of mercy, can actually enter into the joy that Elizabeth and Mary knows. Just how can it be that we would sing with joy? How can we move toward joy and deepen our joy? Well, consider Elizabeth who calls the child, my Lord. Have you identified Mary's child? Is he your Lord? If you've seen beneath the outward circumstances of his life, beyond his poverty and humility, to his spiritual greatness. If you've seen that he is the Godhead veiled in human flesh, then this joy can be yours. But if not, Luke's gospel is an open invitation for you to see for yourself who Jesus is. Luke did great research to put this account of the life of Jesus uh, together. And if you find your Lord, you will find enduring joy. If you've come as far as Elizabeth has in your spiritual journey, then Mary shows you how to rekindle your joy. Mary's joy comes as she exercises faith. Her traveling to Elizabeth was an act of faith. She took the hint that Gabriel gave her, and she stayed with Elizabeth until uh, John was born. Mary's faith is fixed on God. She magnifies the Lord. She rejoices in God. He's the mighty one. Holy is his name. God's mercy is her experience. 
You see, we lose our joy when we focus on our circumstances. And we ask, well, am I comfortable? In my physical and relational situations, are they improving? Is my uh, life uh, uh, plan or my plans for the world even, are they unfolding the way I think they should be? Uh, when we do that, instead of concentrating on God, we, we, of course, we lose our joy. And we make comparisons, don't we? We compare ourselves uh, and our lives to other people. And so our hearts grow discontent. Joy cannot grow in the discontent of our hearts. Are you actively trusting God that his plans are working out in your life in a way that's unique? That God has in his good plans for you a unique way of dealing with you? Are you actively uh, trusting him for fresh expressions of his mercy? Perhaps what you need to do is you need to become forgetful about yourself. One of the ways that that most easily happens for people is to find somebody else to serve, somebody else to care for, perhaps to spend time with uh, someone you know who is uh, lonely or, or someone uh, who uh, has less uh, than you. There's another threat to joy that I think is more distinctly modern. Mary shows us how to confront the boredom that comes from living in a culture of endless entertainment. That just that immersing ourselves in entertainment all the time, always looking to be entertained every moment of every day produces within us in, over time deep boredom. And Mary does what many of us need to do. She spends three months with Elizabeth. You see, she left behind the routine of her life and went somewhere else to observe, really, the fresh activity of God. And so practically what this means over these next couple of weeks is you probably should say no to some things. You should find some way to carve out some minutes or or maybe a block of time where you can just reflect, where uh, you can, well, you can seek to discern where and recollect where God has met you with fresh mercy uh, in your uh, life, where you appreciate the small things, the wonderful things that we so easily take for granted that are his gifts to us. Elizabeth too, shows us someone who has the passion and wonder of her life. She says, why am I so favored? See, Elizabeth doesn't see herself as entitled to have been uh, the mother of the Redeemer. She doesn't look at Mary and say, why, why, why her and not me? No, she rejoices in that. She sees the freshness of God's activity. God is a faithful, covenant-keeping God. Both of these women understand that. And so they live in anticipation of what God is going to do. Now, yes, through uh, their children, their, their unusual uh, children, uh, but they're a model for us too if we would rekindle joy. Let's pray. Gracious God, 
in this season where we can often feel pressured uh, to create joy, to stir up joy, to generate it, to put on a happy face when in fact we're, we're sad or we're anxious or we're hurting. Oh, Lord, we ask that you might grant that we might enter into this joy that these two women know. That if we haven't uh, discovered who Mary's child is and named him as our Lord, that we might. And where, Lord, our joy has been lost because of where we've sought it, where we want to add it in our circumstances to what Uh, is the only enduring joy. We ask not only your pardon, but that it might be renewed, that we might see afresh your mercy, we might trust afresh in your goodness, and we might be given the grace to even be forgetful of ourselves. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, this table,